Greetings, fellow travelers. Welcome to lucky episode number 13 of the hashtag Open to Work Journeys podcast. I'm Robert, your host and aspiring hustler. After taking a few Fridays focused on family, fall, and forging a new path, we fetched you a fantastic Connecting Journeys interview this week, where we aim to explore the favorable stories found all around us once we find the time to say hello. This week's guest is a professional in the realm of making individuals better. And as someone who strives for a continuous improvement lifestyle, I am so excited to bring her experiences and knowledge to you. But first, we are going to set the interview gig to the side to reflect on the most wonderful time of year and how to hack our way through it. Happy Haller Days, everybody. That's right, Halloween has come and gone. Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and it seems like stores have been ready for Christmas since July. Today, I wanted to quickly provide some tips and tricks to ensure your experiences bring more to you than they take away with what I am calling Haller Day Hacks. Aside from the food and festive decorations, one of the first things my mind gets caught up with is anticipation or angst over all the family visits and holiday gatherings. I don't know about you, but if Team Haller headquarters happens to be party central, my anxiety is likely to shift into another gear. Can anything be done to thwart the pre-holiday stress without turning into the Grinch? Yes, indeed. First, make your house smell amazing and festive this season by boiling some orange peels with half a teaspoon of cinnamon over medium heat. This next one seems a bit obvious for any parents listening, but if you're expecting any guests five and under, we'll say, this holiday season, plan to hang your holiday decorations as high as possible. Or in Team Haller's case, plan for your dollar store ornaments and decorations to liven up the lower levels of your space and save the sentimental and other high value set pieces for out of arm's reach. Speaking of buying decorations, how many do you really need to decorate your tree? Save yourself some time and money with this decorating guide I tracked down based on your Christmas tree height. Starting at four feet, you should have approximately 40 to 50 ornaments. Six foot tree, 65 to 75. 8 feet, 150 to 200 ornaments. 10 foot tall tree, 250 to 300. And as we get even bigger, 12 feet goes 325 to 350. And finally, 14 feet tall should be approximately 375 to 400 ornaments. Now what about the lights? It may not help you at the start of your holiday season, but you'll be thanking me come this time next year. If you are sick of dealing with tangled lights, wrap them around paper towel rolls to keep them organized. With decorations out of the way, gift planning and shopping will be not far behind to occupy that rent-free space in your brain. Don't know what to get someone this year? Have them make three guesses of what you got them. They most likely just gave you three ideas of what they want. Finally, for all my penny pinchers out there, this one's for you. Go to the website camelcamelcamel.com. That's the word camel, C-A-M-E-L, three times, dot com. You can use this site to track Amazon prices on millions of products, plus receive alerts to help you nab them at their lowest possible price. You can even shop and compare across non-US versions of Amazon. If you are more preferable to using browser extensions, I would then recommend checking out Keepa, K-E-E-P-A which offers many similar features. There you have it, an early Haller Day present from me to you. Stay tuned on upcoming episodes as the season wears on, and we'll be back with more hack.
Now, I have a little favor to ask. If you like the podcast and want to see it continue, it's time to make your mark. You can show support by hitting that like button, dropping a five-star review, commenting, subscribing on your favorite platform, and sharing this podcast with your network. In this season of giving, I also want to be your not-so-secret Santa. I'm looking for future guests to interview on hashtag open to work journeys. And if you might be interested, let's connect. Your story could be a gift that inspires, motivates, validates, and encourages others, perhaps when they need it the most. Today, I welcome a guest passionately driven to help others create confident excellence as they look to say hello to the best version of themselves. Debbie Kinney is a certified health coach who returned to her roots during the pandemic following a successful career in hospitality and event planning. She is driven to craft her lasting legacy and can't wait to help you do the same. Join us as we reflect on global events and how they shape us, create direction for your side hustle and where it will go, and remind ourselves that the, that the best path to wellness and empowerment is the one laid with accountability. Before we bring on Debbie, here's one last thing to chew on before Thanksgiving dinner. The greatest feelings that come from holidays and gifting are not driven by financial considerations. We don't hope somebody will like what we got them because of how much we spent, but because of how much time, thought, care, and effort went into ensuring they know how important and valuable they are to you. So is money what really matters in the end? Or is it love? If all that we do and all that we learn is to ensure the best for ourselves and others, is money really the key? Or is it love? What if the point of this life was love? What if money was nothing more than a construct to help bring us love? What if we all treated love as a greater determinant of value than money? What if we all decided that love is the new money? How would you spend it? Haller, if you hear me. So can we do a little good? Maybe give a little more? Work a little harder than we did the day before. It only takes a little good. And some doing what you can. Taking every chance to make the choice to be a better man. So do a little good. Hello, dear listeners. This is Robert with a quick little interjection before we start this week's interview, just to notify you that there were some audio issues we experienced. However, our guest Debbie still comes through with clarity and wonderful wisdom and insight. So apologies, but stick around. It'll be worth it. Welcome back, fellow travelers, and welcome to our guest this week on the podcast, Debbie Kinney. Hello, Debbie. Thank you for Hello. joining us on the hashtag open to work journey. So what got us here? As I began the pursuit of this little podcast dream of mine, I initially focused on bringing you beneficial guests and stories emanating from a little closer to my inner circle of connections, so to speak. But I knew that would only take me so far, whether it be with content or growth. And that's for both me and the podcast. About a month ago, I expanded my efforts via a couple podcast-centric Facebook groups. Once I presented myself and the desire to find guests with an open-to-work journey to share, I was delighted to discover Debbie as one of the first eager beavers. Once I got to know her a little bit better, that delight became full-blown hype 
because I believe she is on a journey that can provide value to us all. Debbie is an entrepreneur of wellness and empowerment services, having established the business Hello Coaching. During a time when fear and the unknown kept many of us rooted in place, Debbie instead chose to make a better future for herself and others, moving toward pursuing dreams and achieving bigger goals. But enough introduction from me. It's time to say hello to a healthier and happier life with the wellness wizard herself, Debbie. So what got you here? Tell me about your journey up till now. Well, thank you for inviting me to be a guest. I am absolutely thrilled to be here. Um, and what got me here is really connecting with people just like you. I have always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I think I was trying to sell rocks to my neighbors when I was growing up because I just wanted to have exchanges and connection. And from a health and wellness perspective, I actually got into this career very, very young. I was a certified aerobics instructor, which is what we used to call group fitness instructors, by the age of 13. In high school, through college, and into my 20s, I was teaching group fitness classes and loved the fact that I was getting paid to work out, I was helping people feel better, and it was just such an eye-opening experience about the endorphins and what exercise does for both the mind and the body. At the same time, I was a student, I was moving into the workforce, I went into corporate hospitality. As I climbed the corporate ladder, I had to say goodbye to the aerobic step because I typically was conflicted with, you know, events are nights and weekends, classes, group classes are typically nights and weekends. So I had to make a choice and I chose corporate hospitality, but I always had that place in my heart and in my life for my workouts. It was just a part of me and who I am. It's something that I value and kept that throughout my life. 25 years in the corporate hospitality world, we fast forward to 2020 and events shut down. And as crazy as it is to look back now and think about it, we didn't know if events were going to come back or when they were going to come back. Again, I just went back to my authentic self of what do I love to do and it's helping people. So I started in corporate hospitality, trying to mentor other hospitality professionals in terms of, you know, getting their resume resume ready to go and what other aspects of career could they go into where the skills would be transferable. About six months in, we still didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of events. And so at that time, I was also approached about health and wellness coaching. And because it was a value of mine and I saw it as a great way to continue to help people, I said yes. Started to do that as a quote unquote side hustle started my business and because of the time that we were at and because, you know, in the pandemic, people went one of two ways. They either said, I don't know where this is going or how I'm going to come out of this. And so I'm just going to eat and drink and do whatever. And a lot of people said, I've never had this much time to myself. I'm going to really work on self-improvement. I'm going to start eating healthier, working out. And it was a very polarizing time. I'm very lucky and blessed because my business really blew up. I wasn't networking. We weren't back in person yet. So I just started to share my story through social media and through friends and connections and referrals. My business grew. And six months later, I was actually, I remember sitting at my desk, running some numbers and I called my husband and I said, oh my gosh, I think I can leave my 25 year career and pivot back to my roots and health and wellness and do this full time. He's a scientist, so I said, check my math, because that is not my strong suit. <laughs> 
And uh, he was like, oh my gosh, I think we can do this. So that is what got me here. I'm coming up on my three year anniversary next week um, for my coaching business. And that is, that is how I got here. That's outstanding, Debbie. The whole mind-body uh, tie-in is something I, I'm going to come back to in a second. Before we get there, I, I want to just highlight again that you do have the um, the extensive background in the hospitality industry as well. Something I, I've mentioned a little bit previously on the podcast, but very early on in my career, that was the first industry that I gained experience in was hotel hospitality. Uh, was in a, a family-owned hotel and conference center. I had all sorts of interest in growing and knowing what more you could do. Uh, but a lot of the answers I got back then, no shade, I learned so much from the two brothers that that owned the, uh, that business. A lot of the answers I got about moving up was it's going to be a tough climb. I would really consider just like general business management, which is ultimately what I did. And it worked out fine for me. It's fantastic to know that you were trying to work specifically with workers of that industry to help them move forward. Because I'll be honest, there's a little pull every now and then I go looking for some opportunities in some, um, some hotels and, and brands of that nature. Any worthwhile lessons that you gained from that or, or any some of bits of your favorite wisdom that you impart to people that work in that industry? Absolutely. I mean, to your point, there's so many different facets in hospitality, hotels, restaurants, front of house, back of house, audiovisual, entertainment. I mean, there's so many different facets and wherever you're at in hospitality, the great thing is that those skills are transferable into so many other roles. So I really encourage um, at that time, and I still do, I encourage people to look at not the, the role they serve where they're at, but the skills that they're learning and applying and to share those when they're looking for new opportunities. Because it's not, if you don't want to go front desk clerk to front desk clerk, but you want to go front desk clerk to maybe convention services, then you want to look at the skill sets that will transfer over to be able to really set yourself up for success um, in the eyes of the hiring manager. Very, very valid stuff there. Thank you. Progressing forward a little bit, you you talk about, you know, how much things changed for you personally and obviously for so many of us once we got to 2020 and, uh, you know, the pandemic came along. One of the biggest emerging trends you touched on is just how much it highlighted everyone's behavioral health struggles and subsequent needs that came from that unanticipated, very indefinite feeling uh, event. You know, it still has its ramifications today and, and behavioral health is one of those places. I will tell you as someone that has even, pr you know, prior to that, but subsequent as well, you know, worked through the, the challenge and opportunities of bettering myself in the behavioral health space. One thing that I've always felt so resound about is how closely tied your physical wellness is by at least focusing on on the physical aspect you are working to better the behavioral health aspect of it all really what i've progressed into i started with health coaching and what my route just even the last three years has been i've progressed more into a lifestyle accountability coach because again to your point you can eat the best foods in the world but if your mindset or your mentality isn't good if you're eating all the fresh fruits and vegetables and lean protein and whole grains and you're telling yourself that you're never going to amount to anything and you'll never be successful you'll never be successful 
So what we feed ourselves nutritionally is important, but what we, we feed ourselves mentally, how we take care of our bodies, they all work together to create a whole person. It's actually why my logo is a spiral. So if you look at my hello coaching logo, the O is a spiral because I don't believe anything is really a full circle. I believe we're all always evolving. There's always work to be done is 100% where this originated from is I started in health and then I realized it's just not about food. It's about food. It's about your environment. It's about your sleep. Um, it's, and nobody's perfect by the way, nobody can check all of those boxes and say, Oh, I get over eight hours of sleep every night. And I'm working out the exact amount and intensity every day. And I'm drinking all my water. Like we all have little shifts that we can make. And sometimes we're perfect in one area for a week or a month. And then it falls behind because we're focusing somewhere else. And that's where podcasts like this conversations like this coaches like me, that's where we come in and we've just got this checklist to go, Hey, this is what other people are experiencing. Where are you at? Where do you want to go? And how do we get you there? Bringing all the pieces together and just having kind of that constant checklist in the back of our mind to go, okay, my mindset's feeling pretty good today. I meditated. I'm feeling like I'm going to be successful. I'm enjoying myself on this podcast, but oh my gosh, last night was Halloween and I did not get enough sleep and I might've eaten a little too much sugar. Let me reel that in. Um, that's exactly what I'm talking about is my, my tagline for my business isn't let's get you to be perfect. My tagline is I want you to be the best version of you. Um, cause I don't believe perfection is attainable, but it's just about striving to be the best at what we do in the moment where we are. I love that. And I geeked out a little bit for, uh, for, for a moment there, but when you say you're, you know, you're an accountability coach, that, that is a, that's one of my favorite words in the entire universe, uh, these days at the very least, you know, in the world that I worked in quality assurance, you know, accountability was so important to, and continuous improvement. It's, it's all so valuable, but you in life, this is what I've learned the most over the last, you know, three years, I would say pandemic forward for sure is how critical accountability is I feel like it's an ever evolving thing. If you're, if you're not remaining focused on how, how strong your accountability is it really has some splinter effects. I feel like this is not like a complaint about my life. I'm saying these are things I saw in the professional realm as well. Challenges, or let's say opportunities for greatest improvement tend to come from where accountability was struggling more, let's say, but even at, it just starts at the individual level. It's not about trying to control the accountability of others. It starts with controlling your own accountability, behavior modeling, and then again, trying to gain influence where you can, but it's never about, it's never about control. So it's wonderful that you, you offer, you know, you offer that service, you right to, to, to help someone build that better accountability within themselves. I feel like you've, you've hit a gold mine, the growing recognition of behavioral health is that in all likelihood, we I feel like we're going to see a gigantic boom in behavioral health professionals. The accountability part, obviously I'm ranting about it, but I just feel like that's a goldmine. I feel like that is a such a great thing to put out into the world with passion. I think that's one of the things that 2020 really revealed to us is within workplaces, there was, there were, to your point, a lot of splinters and, and offshoots of people who they came under scrutiny because they weren't necessarily fulfilling the role that they maybe said they were. And then when their jobs were on the line, because 
funds were limited and companies were scaling down, it was like everyone wanted to take accountability for whatever they could to show that they were a valuable player on the team. Likewise, with health and fitness, it became very apparent in the pandemic. If you didn't account for your own health and take personal responsibility for your own health, when you were scared to go to a hospital because you might contract something at the hospital, it was safer to stay home at certain points. That's taking personal responsibility to say, what can I do to be in my healthiest state so I don't have to rely on anybody else? So I think that's one of the biggest shifts that actually came out of the pandemic is, was a lot more accountability and personal responsibility, both personally and professionally in what we now put forward, because we all have to sort of justify our being a little bit more. We're a little more hyper aware of our health and wellness and our contribution to whether it's our community, our workplace, our family, um, because it really came under a microscope at that point. Before we say hello to the present day, I should say, it's time for another edition of The Good Old Days, which is where we put on our rose-tinted glasses to look back at the news of the world and pop culture events through the lens of today's guest and topic. When considering some of the more modern day challenges facing us socially and globally, it's easy to allow fear of the unknown, whether it be our own or societies, to take the driver's seat on our journey ahead. And when that occurs, could we still end up at our destination better than when we started? That thought weighed on me as I considered Debbie's suggestion for this week. Make sure you have all your critical updates installed as we go back 24 years to the dawn of a new millennium, epitomized not by tradition and a Prince classic on Endless Loop, but instead an abbreviation that became a doom and gloom obsession for many of us. The Y2K phenomenon was a global event characterized by widespread apprehension and uncertainty as the year 2000 approached. It centered around fear that computer systems and software, which were programmed to represent years in two-digit formats, would malfunction and cause critical failures when transitioning to the year 2000. Many believe that this millennium bug could lead to everything from financial system collapses to planes falling out of the sky and ultimately global chaos. Where were you in the late stages of 1999 as we faced the perceived impending doom of our new millennium, Debbie? And how did it affect your mindset? It's so fun to go back and really reflect on where I was at. I was 25 years old, so I was really just sort of starting my, my corporate career. I had a trip, a two-month backpacking trip to Europe planned uh, leaving in April of 2000. And I just remember the, the panic and the hypotheses leading up to that New Year's Eve when we switched from 99 to 2000. Just being young and naive enough, but mature and established enough to realize this could be total hype or this could actually completely changed the trajectory of where we're at. And so it was a very pivotal moment, I think, for me in my mindset. I've always been super driven, super career oriented. Um, I've got a, you know, five-year, 10-year, 50-year plan. If, you know, for anyone listening that knows me, you'll, you'll laugh at that because you know it's true. Um, but it was such a different mindset to kind of peel back and go, you know what? We're just going to be 25 or whatever age we were and live in this moment and just see what happens to go through that night and sort of be on pins and needles waiting to see if anything happened, what was going on. I was actually out in the middle of the desert partying as 25 year olds do. And I just remember when I got back to where I would have had cell service and whatnot, and you know, 
the street lights were on, that was a good sign. Businesses were still open, that was a good sign. I didn't see a lot of looters and rioters, which had we'd been warned about, and it just was another night. And so I think it's a fantastic lesson, just in terms of our own mindset, as far as we can build things up for good or for bad, we can build things up so much in our minds that sometimes we forget to stay present and live in the moment. And that was really one of the first times I remember learning that lesson of, you know what, whatever happens tonight, I'm gonna live in the moment, I'm gonna be present, I'm gonna enjoy it and whatever happens, happens. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, oddly enough, on my end, I that was during the era where I was working in hotel hospitality, and I a lot of my responsibilities then surrounded kind of being at the front desk, going anywhere they needed me to go. Especially on a night like New Year's Eve, they have a lot of the big you know party and big swank, trying to get everybody you know pay a high bill to stay overnight and get drunk. And uh, I fully expected that I was going to be there when the clock struck midnight, still working. And I would just be have to be prepared for whatever came, just, you know, whatever they tell me to do. And instead, I guess the night was a little slower than anticipated. And they sent me home at 11 o'clock. So I had this weird feeling as I, I went home to be completely by myself. Uh, won't bore with the details why, but uh, then funny enough, again, in the area era before everybody having cell phones, one of my closest friends and his girlfriend, they stopped by to see what I was up to. And they came just in time for us to ring in the new year. So we all just sat there waiting to see, does something happen? Does something happen? Nope. Life just keeps going on. There's more to it than that, we will say. Uh, the Y2K phenomenon can be summed up as a unique recipe of technological panic, business opportunities, and public anxiety. While the fears around Y2K were largely driven by the potential for technological issues, it led to an unprecedented focus on software testing and system upgrades, which created economic opportunities for software engineers and IT professionals. Personally, it helped influence my higher education decision to pursue a degree in management information systems. Do you recall any influence it had on where your life was going at the time? I also was in hospitality at the time, and I was gearing up, like I said, to go to take off for two months to Europe. So I was actually winding down. I was in the marketing department at a Six Flags theme park, believe it or not. And um, so we typically, the park closed during the winter, but I was in the marketing department. And I just remember thinking, if I don't go to Europe, will I stay here? Will I stay in this line of work? I think that that period just created so many what if questions for the general population that a lot of us probably wouldn't have considered because I think before that we all kind of went about our happy way and we chose our career and we did what we had to do and we went to work and we went home and it was just kind of not in necessarily a bad way, but in a, in a hamster wheel kind of a way. And the thought or the concept of Y2K just made you pause and think a little bit more about what you were doing and what would happen. Would you change directions? Would you stay where you were at Would the opportunities change? So I think it just made us a little bit more reflective um, and me especially just because I had such a pivotal time in my career coming up of switching, leaving a job completely and going to an international foreign country that, you know, then that was a whole other set of questions about, you know, foreign currency and will credit cards work and how will I communicate with my family and things like that. But career wise, it was just much more like, where is this going to take me and will the opportunities be the same? In the end, the widespread catastrophes expected by some didn't materialize, thanks in part to intensive preparation, testing, and remediation efforts by governments, businesses, and organizations around the world. 
As a result, the Y2K phenomenon serves as a reminder of how human ingenuity and coordinated efforts can mitigate even the most ominous challenges and uncertainties. It also highlights the power of preparedness and the importance of addressing potential risks before they become crises. How about you, Debbie? Any lasting takeaways or lessons learned that you carry with you today that we didn't already cover, perhaps? I think just to stay present in the moment, and that is something I've struggled with um, because, again, I'm, I am a planner by nature. I was a planner in my career, and I'm a planner by nature, and I just like to know where I'm at and where I'm going and follow the steps. And that was just something that it was the great unknown. And so it was a very good lesson and exercise in just staying present and being able to adapt and be flexible with whatever the outcome was. Well, I'd say that's presently a fantastic response. With that retrospective ticket now closed out by the help desk, we can jump back to the present as we head toward our next segment, Where Are We Now? That brings us to, where are you now, Debbie? What does the concept of hashtag open to work mean to you? Open to work is a really interesting concept to me because it's exactly how I fell into coaching. Open to work to me means being open to new opportunities. Um, and so for me during the pandemic, I was on the managerial side, I was going through the layoffs. I had a team that I was trying to support. We were doing temporary layoffs full time. And so it was a very, a lot of people I've heard termed it survivor guilt because I still had a job, but I was also tasked with being the layer offer. And that wasn't easy either. When the open to work concept came about, it just means to me being open looking at what skills you have that are transferable um, versus role to role. And again, that's exactly how I fell into coaching. I was approached about health coaching and I was open to the idea of it. It, it aligned with my personal values. I loved the concept of helping other people. And so for me, that was, okay, I'm open to the idea. What next? And that again, encapsulates uh, a lot of why I really wanted to pursue the concept of that within the confines of this podcast. How are things with the business these days? Is it pretty much just a, a smooth running machine for you? What's the day-to-day -day like in your, in your world these days? How about that? Day-to-day -day is fantastic. I feel very blessed and fortunate that I have found my passion and my purpose. I, there's not a day that I don't wake up and look forward to work, love what I'm doing. That being said, it doesn't come without its challenges. Being an entrepreneur, you are constantly the face of the business, but you're also behind the scenes. You're paying the bills, you're doing the forecasting, you're looking at where you need to, you know, maybe pick up some of the slack. Um, and you said something just a few moments ago, which is so important. And you said it, it's about doing the work to look at it a certain way. And I do believe that mindset is work. We don't say, oh, just meditate one time and you're just going to be Zen forever. Meditation is a daily, sometimes two times a day practice that it takes 
focus and it takes energy and presence to be there. And that's, that's with anything in life. You can't just get the most out of a workout if you just kind of go and go through the motions. Uh, you can't get the most out of your food if you're not watching portion sizes or calories. And so I always relate things back to sort of the, what I, what I do on a day-to-day basis. But the point is there has to be intention. And then with that intention, there has to be action. Um, and so a lot of people will have great intention and they'll go into the day and they wake up and they're like, this is going to be a fantastic day. And then they drop their coffee and then their cat throws up or whatever it is. And it's just like, oh, this is a horrible day. Um, no, it's not a horrible day. Horrible things are maybe happening, but it comes back to that, that shift in the mind to create what you want to create. So with me, with my business, Again, I was open to work. I was open to the coaching concept. I started coaching within six months. I left corporate hospitality. I went full time. I had individuals approaching me that were saying, I'm not super focused right now on my health, but I really want you to take those transferable skills and help me with more lifestyle planning. I want to open a business. I want to write a book. I want to get my life organized. I'm struggling with time management. And so I went into more of that life purpose lifestyle accountability coaching. That was a really great pivot for me because it opened up the amount of impact I could have. So now instead of talking through healthier habits and wellness all day, I could also talk about what I love. And again, it comes from event planning, right? Time management and organization and project management strategy. And so I got kind of the best of both worlds and could build upon my professional experience and relay that in a new way into the health and wellness field. I am a big believer in education. I also went and got my personal training certification because I always want to be able to offer more value, whether that's through social media, whether that's through podcasts, whether that's through my one-on-one or my group coaching interactions. My main goal is to provide value. I continued to build up the services that I could offer. Now with Personal training, I've taken a little bit of a spin on that. Just like coaches are a dime a dozen, they just are. That's something that came out of the pandemic. Personal trainers, they have also, it's always still been just a saturated market. Um, So my focus with personal training is I don't train the general pop. I work with um, special needs. I work with senior citizens and I work with kids. And so those three markets are traditionally underserved markets who benefit greatly from moving their body and exercise. And so that's where I really started to focus with my personal training arm of my business. And then um, after that, I went and I got my transformation specialist certification. And so really I am an expert in guiding people with transformation. And so again, whether that's health and wellness, mindset, business, lifestyle, relationship, a lot of the same philosophies apply. A lot of the skills can be transferred regardless of the situation. We just customize it for that person and where they're at and where they want to go. Boom. There is just, there's so much you gave me, you gave, you gave me so much good stuff, but for starters, when you talk about like the, the, the focus of your efforts and how you kind of trying to, you know, it's taken sort of a, a niche approach, let's say, I, I love that because I feel like it applies in a lot of different arenas is that when you enter a market that's already established, like maybe there's some heavy hitters or there's just a lot of, you know, little fish, you have to recognize that you're going to be one of three things. You're going to either be more than, less than, or different than. 
And what's great is you you recognize that with your with your business approach. It's just me, you know. So how can I be more than right? I don't want to resign myself to be less than, so I'm going to be different than. Uh, just to get my 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 like on the spot analysis. I'm not trying to like that. put my imprint on it by any means, but just something that really caught me. But some of the other things that you you talked about just really they do they strike home with me for a lot of the the most beneficial stages of my life and where I've just learned the most and gained the most in the most positive fashion. Talk about focusing on, you know, mindfulness, which really just comes down to getting a better sense of presence, better establishment of the energy you want. All stuff I subscribe to. So it's just, mm, just chef's kiss. That's, I, I love that you talk about that. The intention to action, right? People can talk and talk and talk until they're exhausted. The only thing they've done is really just be living in the intention and the only thing holding me back is me. Again, that's what you do from like a professional landscape. It is just one reason I was so happy to bring you on and kind of explore more what you do. Lastly, something that I have really enjoyed choosing to utilize as a tool for myself uh, in recent months as I deal with, you know, the, the challenges of my journey, but, you know, also the benefits of my journey as it stands today is this thought process. And you touched on this about don't let just like a couple curveballs, left turns on your day establish it as this day is just poop. And I have, I will be honest, I have struggled with that in the past. I've struggled with if I feel like I am the one that brought about the left turns or the curveballs or the false start on the day to use as many analogies as I can pack in. Then it even becomes even worse because I let it establish my day. But then I also feel like I deserve some sort of disciplinary measure for having been human. And then it just compounds itself. So what I tell myself, choose to make this a good day. Yeah. Everything still comes down to choice. 100%. So it, it has gotten me through, it got me through some moments during Halloween, not gonna lie. It is such beneficial stuff for someone going through something in his life, not to turn it and make it all, all about me. I will just say the things that you're talking about are all the, like some of the greatest value moments and greatest evolution moments that I have had over the last, you know, eight plus months of 2023 for myself. It's just so wonderful to be able to dive in further into what you are doing here today. And it just serves so much for, more beyond just getting a professional purpose for yourself. Having said that, it's now time for us to hustle over to What's Working, the segment where we highlight the positive stories that provide perspective and knowledge to keep us conditioned for success. Today, we dive into a subject relevant to many of us on our open to work journeys. Thanks for this week's selection goes to Debbie yet again, shout out, as she provided a beneficial Forbes piece written by Kim Little on how to better your own side hustle. No, on how to better own your side hustle rather than it hustling you. In a world of increasing job uncertainty and the need for additional income, side hustles have become a lifeline for many. In her article, Kim indicates that recent research has revealed that 44% of Americans have embraced side gigs to supplement their primary income. Guilty. It's a testament to the adaptability and entrepreneurial spirit of our workforce, but can also place a lot of angst for people such as myself, just now starting to dip their toes into ever increasingly competitive waters. What has the experience been like for you, Debbie? The experience has been a journey. So I came into the coaching space as a side hustle. Something that I had been aware of for years was the statistic that most millionaires have seven streams of income. It's, you know, two jobs and maybe um, an IRA or some sort of retirement savings. And so my eye on the prize was always for me and my family, I wanted to get to those seven streams. So when I was approached about coaching, not only did it resonate with me professionally and 
in my values, as I said before, but I was like, oh my gosh, that could be kind of a check mark, check that box of another stream of income. And so it really did start as a side hustle. I really didn't know exactly how much it would grow or how much I would really fall in love with it. That's really where I started. And what was so great about it, when we talk about creating the side hustle, but not letting it own you, it was so nice because in day-to-day corporate world, you're doing everything you can to rise to the top, to stand apart, to prove yourself. And with a side hustle, when it's your business, it's, it's a reflection of you. And so when there were days when I could just sort of let it ride, it felt really good to take that ownership and say, you know what, I don't have the bandwidth today. I'm not going to focus there. But then maybe the next week I'm like, okay, I have the bandwidth and I'm going to you know, help five people. And when you help those five people, you get to take the full credit for that. And so it's a really interesting shift in perspective in terms of making those choices and those choices creating your reality rather than letting whatever happens, whatever decisions are made by other people dictate where you're at. So it's a lot of self-power and ownership over your own freedom and future. 100. Couldn't agree more. As the popularity of side hustles grows, so does the competitive grind culture. The narrative around working tirelessly is often glorified, but it's crucial not to get carried away, as Debbie has pointed out. For those aspiring to start a new gig, it's essential to shift away from hustle culture and embrace habit culture, working smarter, not harder. As someone that strives for ever-improving efficiency on both sides of my life-work balance, I subscribe to Kim's assertion wholeheartedly. She goes on to recommend setting appropriate boundaries between your primary job, side hustle, and personal life, and affording yourself a grace period to acclimate to your new endeavor. Do you have any of your own pearls of wisdom for those just starting to flex and work out those hustle muscles? You can't do it all in one day. Rome wasn't built in a day. Yes, keeping your eye on the prize and the big picture of where you want to go. But part of what I do as an accountability coach is I help people look at the big goal and then break it down into bite-sized steps. And so I really am a believer in one step at a time, looking at data, seeing what's working, adjusting maybe what needs to be adjusted, but really stay in the course. Um, And I also want to say the reason why all of this is so relatable is because we're all human and we all have the same core seven emotions. And so all of these feelings and all of this angst and anxiety and excitement and joy that we all go through all of those different emotions on this side hustle journey. It's all so relatable because we all go through it. Even coaches have coaches. I hired my own coach earlier this year because outside perspective, whether it's in your personal life, your professional life as an entrepreneur, as a side hustler, outside perspective is really critical to help to make sure you're seeing the big picture because sometimes we get such tunnel vision and where we want to go. You said earlier when we were talking about connecting intention with action, if all we do is talk about the intention and we don't take the action, we don't get anywhere. Sometimes people hire me because they have the intention to lose weight or they have the intention to build a business, but they're taking actions. It's just not the right actions for them to get where they want to go. Hiring a coach, creating outside perspective, when you're building a side hustle, when you're working on a, on a business is really 
a critical, critical piece. It's like a charity that has a board of directors or a corporation that has a C-level of executives who are really leading the charge. We all need outside perspective to be able to continue towards those goals. I do agree. Some, some great knowledge dropped right there. I will say once again, kind of calling back earlier, technological lean and all of this, expand your technology portfolio, but remain focused on the options that drive your gig toward your success factors. I covered one of Franklin Covey's five choices to extraordinary productivity previously. The lesson, rule your technology, don't let it rule you, relates quite well. Digital tools like AI can already save you hours of grind work. The scope of what can be achieved with it has only just begun to emerge. Debbie, do you have a personal favorite digital tool in your tool belt you'd like to share? I'm old school. I'm learning to come around to AI and I'm open to the concept of how it can help me. Part of my process though is really, the, I'm visual, I like to write things out or look at pictures or draw graphs with data. And so I'm really in those beginning stages of learning how technology can, can work for me. I will say from a technology perspective, I would be lost without my iPhone. <laughs> it has my whole life. It has all my pictures, my calendar, my contacts. So as far as technology goes, it's not the most, it's not the sexiest, most newest relevant technology, but that is the technology that is nearest and dearest to my heart. <laughs> hey, it's all right. I mean, you can't tell me there's much audience out there that that answer doesn't speak to in some way. So no fear. I mentioned success factors. The article emphasizes turning a personal passion into a standalone occupation. It takes time, patience, and effective expectation management. How did you go about managing expectations in the early stages of Hello Coaching? It sounds like you you tried to keep things, you know, ground, you know, very grounded, you know, step by step. But is was there any more to it than that? Absolutely. I have wonderful mentorship and community around me. So I work with a group of coaches that I can go to, I can bounce ideas, I can ask questions. And so having people in my industry that I can sort of talk to and, and help, they can help me forecast and foresee, well, if I do this, this might happen, or this is what their experience was. But I also surround myself with people that are entrepreneurs, but not in the coaching industry. So I actually started an entrepreneurs networking group and we were getting together monthly to be able to come in and talk about what our businesses were doing, challenges that we were facing, connections that we needed, you know, oh, hey, I need an insurance agent, or how do you handle this type of a situation? What kind of play are you getting on social media? And so having both that internal to the industry perspective and external, just general business perspective really helped to keep me, to your point, grounded, but also eye on the prize while also still trusting my instinct and my intuition of building my business and what I knew I wanted it to be because I know the individual value that I bring from my own personal and professional experiences. Another lesson that transcends a lot of things that, you know, more or less is don't be afraid to rely on your village. But also when you start getting into the professional realm or the open to work realm, it is also, again, that whole idea of better, better. You always, you always got to be working on bettering that village, not the people within it, but just who you got access to. As we wrap up today's what's working segment, remember that your side hustle can be a powerful tool for personal and financial growth. As long as you work smarter, not harder, embrace habit culture, set boundaries, and use the digital tools at your disposal to streamline your journey. Thank you to Kim Little for acknowledging this growing trend and helping to navigate around the roadblocks that keep us from going sideways on our side hustle. 
And kudos to you, Debbie, for bringing it to the table today. With that, we bring segment two to a close. Stick around to find out what's next for Debbie and Hello Coaching and what parting gifts she has for us as we navigate Where Are We Going? Debbie, where are you going? What's keeping you moving forward? The main thing that keeps me moving forward is the impact I have. So the clients that I help, the people that I work with, but also my own family. I'm a wife. I am a mom to an almost 13 year old, which is frightening. And I'm a dog mom. (laughs) And so I love to be able to spend time with my family while also helping as many people as I can. So legacy is super important to me. And so creating projects, creating programming that I know will live on long after I work with a client or long after my son is under my roof is what really drives me to move forward. I don't want to create programs that are just short-term start and stop, check the box and we're done. I want to create lifestyle change. I want to create overarching change and transformation in people. And I want to create legacy. That's wonderful. And forgive me, because I just am super duper distilling this down. You have so much more depth for this than than I do. Sounds like uh, for me, it's a lot of what kind of resounds in my head a lot these days for what what does it all mean, so to speak, today and tomorrow and the tomorrow after that. To me, what's very important is crafting a legacy which isn't just how much stuff did I do? It really truly is how many people did I benefit or you know, how much benefit did I put out into the world? It's not necessarily about numbers per se, right? It's It should be immeasurable, but you just wanna know that it's there. Then so from the- between being busy and being productive. Yes, oh, thank you, thank you. That is so good. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece is it's the endless pursuit or maintenance of our fulfillment. Right, Because what's keeping you moving forward, it's it's everything I think of when I think of the word fulfillment. In our final segment, we provide something additional for our audience to take away with them. As we do in each of our interviews, I offered our guest an opportunity to provide a recommendation. We're all in this together, Debbie. Got anything else? There's a few different ways that I enjoy impacting people. Um, I just created a monthly newsletter and I have articles about lifestyle accountability, fitness, general health and nutrition. But every month I also now have a section and it goes through my favorites, favorite products, favorite books, favorite podcasts, which will get you linked up there. Really, again, just trying to impart value. But I think one of the, we talked about, you know, fulfillment idea. I was and still am very type A, but I'm also very different type A now than I was five years, 10 years, 20 years ago. And so I think the constant evolution and 
learning has been a huge part of me taking my experiences and translating those so that I can help other people. One of the most impactful recommendations I can make is a book. It's called The Four Agreements. I, I literally have a visual of the four agreements hanging on the wall of my office and it really shifted my mindset. I tried to read the same book. I'm not really a repeat reader, but this book I try to read once a year because I love the simplicity of it. It's four things to remember and each of the four things resonates with us at different times in our lives. So the four agreements would be my suggestion for if you're looking for some guide, some way to make sense of who we are and where we're going, four agreements is going to really help lead you there. Love it. Another one to add to my Amazon wish list. Finally, I like to finish with a quote. Madame, might you have a quote to live by? My favorite quote is self-reflection creates direction. I firmly believe that really getting honest with ourselves and that includes what we're doing well and that includes what we want to do better at is the best way for us to take that next step forward. Because if we can't look at ourselves and evaluate where are we towards where we want to be towards retirement, financially, in a relationship, work-wise, we've got to be able to break it down and be honest with ourselves. I always like to share, if you can just take five minutes once a month and sit in quiet, which means five minutes is going to feel like five hours, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. Five minutes, start with where you're really thriving, what you're happy about, where you're feeling successful, where you've made improvement. That subconsciously gives your body and your mind the opportunity to feel safe and then move into, okay, now where am I feeling where I'm lacking or I'm not being as successful as I would like? And those answers will come to you. You just have to be intentional with the time in the space. And then to take that final moment of the five minutes and decide what is the very next thing that I need to do? What is the very next step that I need to take to go from, I'm happy here. I want to do better here. What's next. And it will, it will come to you. So that is my advice. Self-reflection creates direction. Give yourself the space to do that activity and you will create major transformation in your life. Outstanding. Any plugs you'd like to give as well as we get ready to part? Absolutely. Thank you again for having me as a guest and for the opportunity. Uh, my website houses everything to find me, my social media, my email. Um, my website address is hellocoaching.info. I have some really fun free downloadables on there. I've got a, um, a life planner checklist that's basically an emergency file. So heaven forbid there's a tragedy like a fire and you need to grab and go. It has all the documents written out that you would need to put in a binder to be able to go. Um, it's got some other really fun fit, fitness and health uh, evaluation tools. Um, and then I have a, like I said, a monthly newsletter that if you sign up for that, that will be delivered once a month right to you. And it's got rotating content, always with an eye on adding value to anybody, whatever stage they're at. Love it. I will just say if you're already at this point in the podcast, then you're, you're already drinking the Kool-Aid. But if you're, if you're skeptical at all of what kind of benefits Debbie and her website and, and all of the great things she offers, but you know, the further professional services she could bring, I have not worked with her. I have just had my own life experiences and everything she has spoken to today hit 
with me. Take that as you will. And I will take this chance to say thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your journey, Debbie. Seasons of change in our lives, whether anticipated or not, can be a difficult place to choose better every day. I strive to live a continuous improvement lifestyle while maintaining some of my favorite mantras. Stick to the plan. We're all in this together and keep moving forward. With everyday goals and mindsets like those, it's important to recognize our challenges and opportunities for improvement. It may sound like a tall task because it is, but what if the path out could be as simple as saying, hello, coaching. I say it time and time again, the formula for our rocket fuel to success includes motivation, inspiration, validation, and encouragement. If you're feeling a court low, I urge you to holler at our stellar guest on the social medias or her website, hellocoaching.info. For Debbie Kinney, I'm Robert Haller saying thanks for listening. Please like, comment, subscribe on your favorite podcast service, and share socially. And if you ever want to reach out to the podcast, you can email me at hallerifyouhearme at gmail.com. That's right, Haller if you hear me. Thanks for working with us. Thank you.